Welcome to Big SEC Guys. I'm your host, Daniel Poppy Southers, and this is my co-host, Tucker, the damn good dog, Compton. We are the Big SEC Guys. They're the Big SEC Guys. They're the Big SEC Guys. They're the Big SEC Guys. Merry Christmas, listeners. We are back. The Big SEC Guys. My partner in crime, Tucker, the damn good dog, Compton, is... Uh, out of town for Christmas. We're we're filming this the day after Christmas, which is exciting. He's he's up in Kingsport with his wife's family. So we've got a very, very special guest stepping in. Big time Alabama fan and my friend Joe Monroe. Joe, welcome to the pod. Thanks for joining us. Good evening. Thank you for having me. Excited to talk college football playoffs with you. Folks, we've absolutely, got some absolutely. I uh I will Talk about the tide at any point in time. Love it. Uh, Joe is a big Alabama football fan, and uh, I can comfortably say has had the most uh, success on the football field of anybody we've had on the podcast so far. Joe, fun fact, I think you might be our uh, our first guest that's actually played football at the high school or post-high school level, so that's very exciting. Well, high, high school heroes count sometimes. Exactly right. Exactly right. Well, excited to have the the football experience and then the Bama fandom. That's going to be great. Uh, we've got ourselves a, a great pod tonight, so I'm looking forward to it. Let's dive right in, Joe. Let's talk about the big one, the game everybody wants to hear about. You know, this year the SEC technically has one team in the playoff. You could argue two with Texas coming, but that's ne- neither here nor there. Let's talk Bama-Michigan. You're the big Bama fan. Bama's defeated Georgia, obviously, in the SEC championship game. That was a pretty epic game. How are you feeling about this Michigan game coming up? Uh, big win. Big win in Atlanta. Um, Tide doesn't lose in Bryant-Denny East. I think we're a really bad matchup for Michigan. Okay. Um, and when it was announced, that's who we were going to be playing Got a little excited. You know, they haven't done so well in big games and big moments the last couple years. Uh, but anytime I feel that confident and uh, all of a sudden the spread comes out and we're dogs and you look on ESPN's fan predictor and I think it's showing like 56% picking Michigan on the fan predictor, you wonder like what am I missing that other people aren't? And so that's my biggest worry is why am I discounting Michigan so much? Um, And I think it might just be I'm giving the SEC as a conference overall a ton of credit versus versus the competition that Michigan has played up to this point. Yeah, there's got to be some SEC bias. I agree with you. I don't I don't know what the exact number is, but hasn't the SEC won like 13 or 14 of the past 17? Something won, like that. Yeah, I think I think Clemson's won two and Florida State won one, the one in uh 2013. Other than that, the SEC's won every one all the way back to I think 05. I think when Florida won it in 05. Yeah, it's been like almost twenty. Oh, Ohio years, State so. won one. Ohio State won one also. Yeah, because it was Florida oh, State. They, yeah, Florida State and Ohio State won in thirteen fourteen, and then um, and then Clemson, Clemson won, won in twice. sixteen Ooh. eighteen. And other than that, you go back to 05, I think Florida kicked it off in 05. and um, it's been all SEC. It's been all SEC basically since then, and a lot of them have come back to Tuscaloosa. So we're big fans of that. Um, I try to forget about those uh, Clemson years. Erase yeah. those from my memories. <laughs> well, you those know, Spur- Spurrier had me. it rolling against Dabo there for a while, but when yeah. the tide turned, when the tide turned, he uh, you know, he just decided to stop coaching midseason. Not good. That was the start of our downfall. That's neither here no. nor there. No, but uh, uh, love it. But, but yeah, you know, I, I was looking at some stuff earlier in. Yeah. Um, I think it was Michigan has played six teams this year with a winning record. Uh, seven bowl teams because Minnesota got into a bowl somehow at five and seven. Uh, they did win today, though. Uh, I think they ran for close to 300 yards. I was just the golden of, gophers. Yeah. Um, 
boy, PJ Fleck isn't quite a prospect <laughs> like he was a couple of years ago, but here and there. Uh, His stock has been plummeting. You're absolutely yeah, right. Yeah, well, Minnesota's a tough spot to win. He probably should have capitalized on that. But sure. you never know. I mean, those guys, they cycle up, right? Like he gets a senior class in there that's all been playing together for three or four years. And, you know, they win 10 games. And, you know, that's that's doing something in Minnesota these days. It's only going to get yeah. harder. Oh, yeah. You know? um, but, uh, but anyhow, Michigan's played – Six teams with winning records, I think, this year. And Alabama's played nine, but their, you know, gimme game that we played against Chattanooga, Chattanooga uh, made it to the second round of the FCS. So I think you could probably safely say that's a bold team, you know. Oh, so they're solid, yeah. So they were – it wasn't, you know, it was a gimme game. I mean, it's not like they could compete, but they still were decent. I mean, I think they'd beat a team like East Carolina. Yeah, that'd be you interesting. Know? I mean, you yeah, know, sure. I, so, so, I, so the level of competition definitely favors Alabama in this game. But uh, I dug through a bunch of stats. Yeah, uh, let me. And hear I, it. I ended up watching because I hadn't watched a ton of Michigan games. I was flipping back and forth during the Ohio State game, but um, but when they played Penn State, I was hunting, and um, and then the Maryland game, which was their other close game, I, I just saw the score there. So I watched, I watched both the uh, Penn State the Ohio State and the um, Michigan State, because I wanted to see a game where they really blew some people out. Uh, I watched the abbreviated versions, and uh, they uh, they like to run the football, which everybody knows. Uh, not a good not a good thing when you match up against Alabama. Sure. Um, and but earlier in the year in that game against Michigan State, now the level of competition wasn't that great, but uh, McCarthy was a was a real threat with his legs to extend plays. But in the Penn State and, and Ohio State games, he didn't seem to um, he didn't seem to to do that as much. Uh, and I don't know if he was playing a little injured. Uh, I tried to look on like message forums to see if I could find anything. I don't know, but he didn't seem to have the same kind of juice in his step. And he, and he seemed to almost shy away from contact a little bit. Uh, not so much in the Penn State game, but the Ohio State game. Uh, sure. So with the time off, you know, if he's able to do that against Alabama, that would not be good for us. Um, because he, he was a real weapon earlier in the season, getting away from pressure. And he's fast. He's a, he's a lot faster, especially when he goes straight ahead. Uh, you know, everybody's going to want to talk about Milrow um, in this game and, and how he's going to avoid pressure and make plays with his legs. Uh, but if McCartney or McCarthy, excuse me, um, if he gets to where he is uh, picking up 10, 12 yards, especially on third and seven, because third and seven is a kill is a killer down for Michigan's offense. That is not a situation they want to be in third and six plus third and five plus. They do not want to be trying to, to convert those on a consistent basis. Uh, but if he's picking them up, you know, if he picks up four first downs uh, with his legs, that's going to be a real big problem for Alabama in the game. Sure. Extend the drives. You talked a little bit about game script and I agree with you here. I mean, I, the, the SEC bias is real, but this, this feels like to me, at least this feels like a good matchup for Alabama and a bad matchup for Michigan. One of my favorite one of my favorite moments was when they showed Michigan watching the college football playoff committee. She was the fourth team and they were all hoping for Florida state. And then they saw Alabama and all the Michigan guys looked so downtrodden. Yeah, you, you, they looked so sad. You can't let that leak out. Oh my you gosh. Got, you got to have better control over, <laughs> over the, the recording devices in the room. Oh my gosh. I would say, no, no, we're not. That's not, we're not sharing that video because the guys yeah. are, I mean, they look devastated, but yeah, this they, is they a, look um, they look very disappointed uh, in that. Oh my gosh! And uh, shout out to the college football playoff committee for making a, a tough decision, but the right decision. I mean, the, the ACC is is just not the same. I know the ACC has had some success against SEC this year, but there there's no argument where that Florida State team is anywhere near as good as a team like Alabama or Texas. You know, no. or Washington or Michigan. No, and you know what? Matter, if they so. actually are, then they'll go down there and they'll beat Georgia, right? Like, and they've got every. Oh, they're going to get slaughtered by Georgia. I totally uh, agree with quick, you. I, w- I would have preferred quick Georgia plug. 
Yeah, I mean, I would have preferred, and Tucker will appreciate this, I would have preferred to have seen uh, Georgia and Ohio State probably ranked in front of them, but that would have added a lot of insult to injury. Um, oh, yeah. If, if what, even is like, what even is that line? I mean, I bet Georgia's favored by two or three touchdowns. It's going to be something I, I, huge. I have, not, I have not looked, to be honest with you, but I can I can tell you that no matter what it is, I would probably take it. <laughs> Joe, I just pulled it up. It's Georgia minus 17. How funny is that? Uh, would you, I mean. Give me Georgia. I was about to say, it's your money. Who are you putting it on? <laughs> Give me Georgia. I think this is a bloodbath. Um, um, especially, did you see Florida State's quarterback? Oh, my God. And he's, yeah, he's hurt. So they're they're going to the third string guy again. So well, They're not going to be, I mean, even if Georgia. They're not going to move the ball. And I haven't, you know, I haven't. I would, this is where I wish Tucker was here because he'd let us know exactly who was expected to play and who's not for Georgia. But just the talent on Georgia's roster, if if that's oh the kid and what we saw against Louisville is lining up back there, <laughs> trouble. I'm going to be generous and give them 10 points. Generous. Oh, give yeah. them 10 points. They're not going to stop Georgia from scoring 28 to 30. No, I, I agree. That, but yeah, let's call our shot on the pot. I think that's like a. Yeah, 34, 35 to 10 to 6 to 7 type game. Yeah. Just yeah. A And guess bad. what it could have been? It could have been prime time on New Year's Day. And that's what oh, yeah. turning it. That's what that's what America would have been tuning into. So I'm so glad I'm glad that the tide was able to save us all from that. Yeah. Shout out to the CFP committee. They made the right decision. And the, the one thing I like about this Michigan Alabama game is it it's two coaches who have who are trying to have a team with a similar identity. Uh, we know Saban's a sort of like a hard nosed defense and run the football type coach. I know he's, he's been more modernized with the offense cause he's great, but it, at his roots, he's a dominate the lines of scrimmage coach. And that's exactly what Jim Harbaugh is. So we've got two teams trying to do similar things. Um, both teams are going to want to establish the run and stop the run. And, I don't, I don't love Michigan's chances. Uh, you mentioned JJ McCarthy's got a little dual threat in him, but I mean he's, he's you know nothing to to really worry about. And then the running backs, yeah, Blake Corum's good, but he hasn't been that great this season. And then Donovan Edwards, the backup on Michigan, is he? I I feel like I could have as much success running the football as Donovan Edwards has had. So like I. I don't like their chances against that Alabama defensive line. And then do you know, is Jace McClellan playing? I do not. I, I do not know. It has been very tight lipped. Uh, I know he's I had think, that foot thing. I, I think personally, I think Jace is hurt um, and is probably not going to play. So um, who does it go to if he's hurt? Is it Roydell Williams? Roydell will get the start and Jam will get the uh, – We'll get a bunch of touches. And I then think people J- like Justin too, right? I, you know, he hadn't, lot, he hadn't cracked really the rotation yet. I, um, okay. this is we got a ton of bowl practice in here. And if you go back to Derrick Henry's freshman year, he did not sniff the field other garbage time, other than garbage time, <laughs> until okay. Well, well, until the Oklahoma Sugar Bowl that we ended up losing uh, in thirteen. But he also ran for, I think he had 115 yards and like 85 receiving yards or 100 yards receiving. And he had a rushing touchdown and a receiving or maybe two rushing and one receiving touchdowns in the game. So, like, it's not unheard of in these extra bowl practices for some of the younger kids who who didn't, you know, you got to commit to your guys in season, right? Yeah. you got to commit to the guys. Yeah. And, and so it was like, um, I think it was an LSU game. Jam started to get more carries in prime time, and nice. uh, and then Jace getting hurt, it was kind of like you know this these are our two guys we got to give them the touches and uh, give them the give them the reps. Now with these extra practices, who knows if, if Justice can get in there? But I would expect him to be more of a next year guy. Okay, um, so I would you think it's the. I think it's, it's going to be Roydell and Jam. You know. Jalen Milrow, Roydell, and Jam. That's sort of yeah. three-headed monster running the football. And if we and if we had a different quarterback, then maybe there would be another running back. But eventually, you run out of run out of, of snaps. Um, you know, sure. you run out of you run out of opportunities if you've got too big a rotation. I mean, you you probably Milrow is going to have over ten carries. 
Um, you know, yeah, Milner is basically tied with Jason McClellan on the season in most carries. I mean, he's yeah. he's getting a lot yeah. of touches. He's getting a lot of touches, and some are and most most up until about midway through the season were were improvised. You know, he's getting a lot more design runs now, um, but he's uh, over half of his are all going to be you know improvised runs. Um, oh, did you see that report that like went sort of viral? Um, it was one of the Alabama beat writers talking about Jalen Milrow. You know, Alabama runs that like RPO system a lot with him mm-hmm. as a shotgun. And apparently he doesn't read it. They just tell him run or pass. I miss that. That does not make me feel great. But no, but like he's still that good. Imagine when he learns to read that play. He's going to be unstoppable. Oh, he's going to be, yeah, yeah. He's, <laughs> boy, I tell you, I don't know if anyone will ever run that as well as Tua ran it. Oh, God, yeah. He was good at it. He him, when he so had rugs, yeah, when he had rugs running that slant, and it was, and he he could read that thing and pull it out of there, hit that slant, or, or um, you know, give it to the back, and he, I mean, he had wheels on him too. I mean, he had that one run against LSU down there in Baton Rouge for like 65, 70 yards, where he ran away from that defense. Um, that Tua game. Uh, speaking of that, Alabama played South Carolina in twenty nineteen. And oh, two yeah. or three for 500 yards and five touchdowns. And it was like he was throwing to Devonta Smith and uh, Waddle had a bunch of catches and Ruggs had a, and Jerry Judy. Oh, that team was so stacked. It's very difficult to talk about the 18 and 19 seasons and not think of what could have been uh, if we'd had a better defensive coordinator other than Pete Golding. Because oh, my gosh, Joe. I just I he just wasted pulled up a lot box of score to that game. This is so funny. Just listen to this box score really quick, listeners, just to see how good this Alabama team was. Uh, Tua had 500 yards and five touchdowns. Mac Jones came in at garbage time and three for 350 yards. Running the football, Najee Harris and Brian Robinson Jr., both starters in the NFL for Washington and Pittsburgh Steelers for Najee and then Washington for Brian Robinson. And then listen to the receiving. Devonta Smith, Heisman winner, starter for the Eagles. Henry Ruggs would be a starter if he wasn't in jail for the Raiders. Najee Harris, starting running back for the Steelers. Jerry Judy, starting receiver for the Broncos. Brian Robinson Jr., starting wide, starting running back for Washington. Jalen Waddell, starting wide receiver for Miami. That is insane. Yeah, that's that's a lot of it's a lot of talent. That's a lot of NFL that's starters. It's a lot of that's a lot of really Carolina. really good football players. Oh my gosh, there's a lot of studs. Yeah. All right, Joe, you did some good research. You you were crunching some numbers. You sent me some good anecdotes. Walk me through how you think this game goes. All right. So as I said, I'm I'm very confident, and that's that's what worries me is how confident I am versus what the line says. Sure. So in situations where that happens, I try to figure out how we're going to get beat. What I would do. What I would do if I was going to beat us and what the keys to the game are. Um, <clears throat> Stat-wise, and I'll look these up today, uh, Michigan is, I think, second in the country in, um, in, in turnovers. Turnover margin, I'm okay. excuse me. Michigan is 13th in the country with a plus 17 turnover margin. So they're creating um, turnovers. It create they're great at creating turnovers and they don't turn the ball over themselves. Nice. Um, so if I'm Michigan and in their two biggest games, Penn State and Ohio State, the two turnovers against Ohio State were the difference were the difference in the game. I mean that early early turnover that led to a touchdown that really made it feel like Ohio State was trying to to play from behind the whole game after that, and then obviously the 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 interception on Ohio State's last drive as they were trying to come down the field. Um, but a very similar situation happened with the turnover against Penn State uh, that led to led to points in Michigan stretching, st- kind of stretching the game out. Uh, so you got to turn you got to turn Alabama over, right? Uh, and the easiest way to do that is to you got to force Milrow to make quick decisions and uh, and bad ones. Um, sure. And and early in the year he made a lot of those under duress. Uh, against design against zone coverages so I would run I would run some form of zone coverage where I mixed and mixed and matched where the pressure was coming from and I would probably send four um, or send three 
with one spy and a delayed blitz. So, so by that, I mean, send a, you know, maybe you send your three, three linemen and then have a one count Mississippi and send a delayed blitz with, with the intention of then pushing him into the spy, if that makes okay. sense. So you, yeah, you, sure. use your, you bring your pressure to then force him into your spy where he can't get away with you from his legs and you're forcing him to make a decision. So pressure will be key. Uh, even though our our sack totals have uh, gotten a lot better um, from the, I mean, you really had to break Alabama's season into pre-Tennessee game, Tennessee game, and on. In that Tennessee game and on, we've cut our sacks down by like two and a half sacks per game. Uh, turnovers. Jalen Miller has only thrown two interceptions, and as and, and uh, since then, um, and one of them bounced off off the hands of his receiver into the other guy's hands, you know, in the end zone against Tennessee. Yeah. But, but that's how you – okay, so you got to turn us over uh, and you have to score in the red zone. Uh, Michigan's very good at, at not only scoring in the red zone, they are good at scoring touchdowns in the red zone, which Alabama is not great at stopping people in the red zone from scoring, but we're really good at stopping from touchdowns. We give up a lot of points – when people get in the red zone, but there are a lot of field goals. They're not a lot of touchdowns. So, you know, that is going to be a sort of a bend don't break. Yeah. Well, and, and we've put ourselves, especially early in the season, which affects the stat line. We were putting our defense in some pretty rough spots because of turnovers. Yeah. Um, and because of field position, we had a lot of teams that were getting the ball, you know, they're 30 and plus you know, forward, and we were given – I mean, we had two catastrophic turnovers against Texas uh, in the game we lost against them. Um, so, you know, get to Milrow, sack him early and often, create turnovers, uh, and then convert those into, into turnovers. And then you've got to convert third downs. Georgia was number one in the country. They're number two now after the SEC championship game. They were number one in the country in third down conversions, and they were converting at almost sixty percent a clip. I think going into going in that SEC championship game, and yeah, they, that's huge. And they only well, they only converted in one third of the time, thirty three percent of the time in the game. Huge, huge stat line in that game was Alabama held them to thirty three percent conversion rate versus their their season average. And I mean, how many times in that game did you see Georgia in a third and three? or third and two, and they run the ball, and Alabama stuffed them. Oh, you know, yeah, that Alabama I think mean, was... happened multiple – I think two or three times in the game. Um, and, yeah. I mean, that's oh, – yeah. But with the rule changes, you know, I was so happy to see these rule changes this year uh, with the running clock because for about a decade and a half, every single rule change that was made uh, was to the benefit of the offense. Uh, and it's nice to see some rule changes that benefit the defense with you – know, it's tough to – you know, these people that run these um, – and not that Georgia was doing this, but these schools that, that have given us so many problems in the past with running these high-tempo offenses and running 80 plays a game, you just can't do it anymore. There's just uh, there's not, not enough time, time in the game. Yeah, yeah. there's not enough yeah. time in the game. So, um, so you, you know, you, you have to convert your third downs and keep the ball when you have it because you don't know how many possessions you're going to get. And a, a real key to that is going to be can McCarthy do it with his legs, either by picking up a third and seven by getting away from pressure, or is he going to extend the play to then find one of his guys that are open? Um, you know, stay ahead of the sticks. Uh, don't give up chunk plays for t- for touchdowns. We, you know, we, we go deep. You know, chicks dig the deep ball. Oh yeah, Alabama. Um, it's it's a run, run, deep pass. Exactly. That's the offense this year. Exactly. I mean, you know, it really is we've, that gotten, we've, we've gotten better at sustaining drives uh, as the season's gone along because our offensive line. We've made some. You know, Proctor, the starting left tackle, as a true freshman, was a just a tremendous liability. Uh, but they've done a fantastic job, and he has on his you know personal growth as far as sure. the player. I mean, he does not blow cover. Um, he does not blow protections like he did uh, through the first, say, four games of the season. Uh, and, freshman, and then freshman lineman and offensive lineman in the SEC, that's got to be one of the hardest things in college oh, football, it's right? In, incredibly impressive to come as an 18, 19 year old kid 
and start. Now it helps when you're six, seven, 350 pounds. Uh, <laughs> sure. you know, I mean, that, that helps. You've got the body for it. So, you know, physically you can do it, but it's a, you it's know, a good call out. What, what do you think his pass protection scheme was like in, in high school versus, in oh, yeah. you know, in high school, he's just knocking everybody over. It's not, not going to happen in the SEC. No, no. Um, and then, and then finding the answer at right guard, um, was a was a big deal too you know and so we've been able to get some more movement up front which has helped us extend drives but you know our bread and butter uh as far as changing games has been scoring on on big plays yeah oh yeah yeah Um, so you can't allow you can't allow chunk plays um you just for Alabama, you've got J- Jermaine Burton averaging like something like 24, 25 yards a catch, which is nuts. Yeah. That's just massive. Yeah. Um, it, and really has come into his own this year. Um, he's been great. Yeah. Yeah. He, 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 he's going to make an NFL team very happy in like the sixth round, fifth or sixth. Oh, round. yeah. That's how um, I feel about Spencer Rattler. Someone's going to get a very good quarterback in the fifth round. Exactly. I mean, they're going to get, they're going to get a guy that can, uh, that can create separation. He's very good at creating separation. He's got good hands too. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. And then once you get ahead, if you're Michigan, once you get ahead of Bama, you've got to uh, chew the clock up. You know, um, you got to chew the clock up. Now, I don't think that's going to happen. I mean, I think we don't turn the ball over as much as we were earlier in the year. Um, you know, we went into that SEC championship game committing less penalties and committing uh, – excuse me, we committed more – we committed more penalties per game and more turnovers per game than Georgia. And in the game, the role was reversed. And not really that – there were, I think there were only eight penalties called in the whole game. Uh, so it wasn't like the rest were, were blowing the whistle every play. But we reversed the trend, right? Uh, so we can't turn the ball over and we can't hurt ourselves with penalties. Eventually, our – our athletes are going to out athlete them. Yeah. Oh yeah. And our studs are going to, are going to out stud them. Um, what, what we cannot do is allow them to get out ahead of us and have to play catch up. Uh, and then, you know, if they can't run the football, can McCarthy beat us with his arm? So you got to load the box, a uh, lot of man coverage, which again, Herein lies our a big a big X factor in this game is going to be McCarthy's legs. Um, yeah. It's not getting talked about. I have I've yet to see anybody talk about it on TV. Um, but a big X factor is going to be his legs. Can we sack him? If we get to him and we sack him three or four times, um, that's not going to be very good for them. And if on the flip side of that, if we sack him less than two times and he has 40 yards rushing, that's not going to be very good for us either. If he it, if he is able to to have, I don't know what over-under to put on it. We need to put one on there, though. Over-under 45 yards rushing, because that would still allow us to sack him once or twice for negative yardage. Yeah. Uh, and if he has that, yeah. Over-under, if he has over-under at 45, if it goes over, that's going to that's gonna spell a lot of trouble for Alabama. I'm not saying that that's the – the stat that's going to show us winning or losing, but but that's going to probably show how close the game was. And now, time for a quick commercial break. This podcast is sponsored by Pintail Site Preparation. The team at Pintail is providing the best site preparation work in Savannah, Georgia, and throughout the Low Country. If you need the best site prep team in the business, give Pintail a call. Pintail Site Preparation's goal is to deliver the highest quality, most cost-effective projects on schedule by supporting motivated, flexible, and focused teams, while most importantly, emphasizing on safety. If it's site preparation you want to nail, go ahead and call Pintail. Pintail Site Preparation, the best in Georgia and the Lowcountry. I was seeing if there was a, a prop for him yet, and they don't have a rushing prop for the quarterback, but it'll be interesting to see what that is. I'll tell you what, Joe, you made a you made an excellent point about sort of the studs versus the studs. I was doing a little um I was doing a little research before this just to look at some of the data. I'm a big data guy. Um Michigan and Alabama are very similar. So Michigan's actually they've thrown the ball about three hundred times and run the ball about five hundred times. So that's mm-hmm. their split. Alabama, 
literally has thrown the ball 302 times and run the ball 510 times. So it's two teams doing from just let's, let's talk just very baseline offensive play calling two teams that want to run the ball and will throw it as needed. So you're going to have an offensive defensive line battle. I, I like Alabama's defensive line more than I like Michigan's offensive line. And then, you know, when you can't run the ball or when you're starting to get down in a game, you have to throw it. And I like, I like the Alabama defensive backs matching up against the Michigan receivers. I mean, I think about Kool-Aid, obviously. I like him winning his one-on-one matchup. I really like Terry and Arnold. I think he's really come on to his own this season and been really good. Um, so I like him winning his matchup. And then we all know the the stud on Michigan, the sort of the next big NFL guy for them is that tight end, Colston Loveland. And guess who's going to be matching up with him? You guessed it, Caleb Downs, who I think is like the best freshman in college football. So I like, I mean, I like Kool-Aid sort of locking down Roman Wilson, who's their star receiver. I like Tarion sort of outmaneuvering Cornelius Johnson, who's their second option. And I like Caleb Downs winning his matchup with Colston Loveland, the tight end. So when we think about like best on best, I, I like these Bama guys defensively holding their own against Michigan and Michigan's defense is good. We'll call that out. Michigan's defense is really good. So I think it's going to be interesting to see if Alabama's offense can have success. I I like Jalen Milrow as an athlete. I like the running backs, you know, whether it's Jace, Jalen and Jam or just, you know, Roy Dell, Jalen and Jam, whoever it is. Um, I like Bama's running backs, but, you know, Bama's receivers have been, Good, not great. Certainly not the elite receivers we've mentioned, right? <laughs> like in 2019, no. this is a different crop. But you've got guys like Jermaine Burton and Isaiah Bond that are going to need to have success. And what I'm trying to say is both teams want to run the football. And, and I, I favor both defenses in this game over the offenses. So I think this might be a low-scoring one. Is that fair? I think that's pretty fair. Um, I think that's pretty fair to say. I, I would be <laughs> – I think it would be the shock to everybody in the country if we see some kind of 38-35 game out of these two teams. Oh, um, yeah, I don't see that. I uh, I think you're probably looking at a, at a um, something goofy with a lot of field goals, you know. Um, like a 23-17 type game. Yeah, I, you know, truthfully, Daniel, and this could be my crimson colored glasses – I, I think it's going to take a late score in garbage time by Michigan to keep it to, – to get it close. I mean, I think okay. it's going to be low scoring, but I think it's going to be something along the lines of maybe like 27 to 13 or or 24 to 10, um, 24 to 14. But that last touchdown comes with, say, seven minutes to go in the game. I like it. I like it. Um, you know, I'm trying, I'm trying I to mean, pull up the over I could be here eating crow with egg on my face and chewing on my shoes, <laughs> sure. right? Sure. Foot in my mouth. But I, I really – I don't think Michigan can line up against Alabama and run the ball right at them. I don't think they – I don't think that's a recipe for success. And um, – McCarthy very well could come out and those receivers could come out and have a heyday of a game, but they have done nothing to show us that this season. I agree. I just, I don't see them having success against Alabama's defensive backs. And so at that point, where do the points come from? If you're not running it down our throat and you're not throwing the ball with a lot of success, where do the points come from? And the only way you get them then is through turnovers. And so if you can't – if Milrow continues on the trajectory that he's going, uh, turning the ball over less, and say Alabama has a, has a stat line with one turnover or less, then I really don't see a path to victory for Michigan unless we're just totally, totally not giving them enough credit. And that would come simply because, you know – they haven't played that many great teams to show how great they are. I mean, sometimes it takes playing a great team for you to show how great you are. And even the good teams on their roster, Penn State or their roster, their schedule, 
uh, Penn State and uh, Ohio State, I wouldn't say they're as good as they have been in the last several years. I mean, we'll find out when Penn State plays uh, Ole Miss. I mean, if Penn State comes out and beats Ole Miss by two, three touchdowns, then I might be scratching my head and getting a little nervous over the next two days. <laughs> sure. Um, but I'm uh, with you, though. You look, at, you look at Michigan's schedule, and they've literally played – Three teams with a pulse: Penn State, Ohio State, and Iowa. It's like six teams with winning records, and one of them is yeah. UNLV. I'm serious, it's, and one of them is UNLV. Yeah, um, of the of the three teams that would be considered like good college football teams, Iowa literally has no offense. That's one of the funniest college storylines. Like they they have one of the best defenses and one of the worst offenses. I mean, the man had to fire his son. I mean, I guess he yeah, correct. Still, I mean, he had to correct. fire his son because they were that bad. Um, he had, and that was part of the contract. He had to score X amount of points. He like wasn't even close. Twenty five points is not. Yeah, I think it was. I think it was twenty five. Yeah, and that includes defense and special teams. Let the record state. Yeah, <laughs> defensive touchdown counts. But yeah, so they basically played Ohio State and Penn State, and credit to them, they won both those games. They I did. don't think Penn State's that good. I think Ohio State's good, but like this. It's hard when you're a team like Michigan and you've you've played essentially two good teams and then you have to go in the playoff. And we've seen that. Michigan's made it. I think they made it the past two years and lost in the first round both times, right? Did they make it two years ago? Yep. Let me yep. Fact they, check got, myself. they got just physically manhandled by Georgia uh, in 21. And then last year, last year was a fluke. I I uh I went deer uh, the TCU. <laughs> I went deer hunting that night and wasn't really expecting, you know, that to be a game. And we got down and and got back to um, got back to the house and TCU was winning late in the game. I just like, how did this happen? And I saw, I think it was Michigan had two turnovers inside the five, and they had like a, a missed field goal and a failed uh, fourth down conversion or something like that. It was something stupid. They had they had been. Inside the the fifteen, I think four times and scored zero points or something like that. It was just they okay. they found every way you could possibly give a game away. Um, Man, I year. forgot, Joe. I forgot how epic the uh, the first round was last year because you had yeah the TCU they won fifty one forty five against Michigan, yeah. and then that Georgia Ohio State game is like in my opinion the best game of the of the playoffs. Was that was game. the forty two forty one. Yeah, that was that. Oh was yeah, yeah, yeah. And Ohio, again, back to my point this year, that Ohio State team was a lot better than this Ohio State team. Yeah, I agree. You know, that that I Ohio agree. State team, that that win Michigan had last year um, in Columbus was much more impressive than, uh, than their win this year or their win the year before uh, against Ohio State. Um, that was a very – that was a good – Ohio State had a good football team last year. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. They're solid. So, you know, um, I, I mean, that's, that's covered. I think that's covered, you know, where are the points going to come from? You have to, you have to decide where, where are the points for Michigan are going to come from. And if, if a team yep. that I think everyone who listens to this podcast at least would agree is one is probably was the best team in the country going into the championship weekend. If they couldn't run the ball on Georgia, I mean, on, on Alabama, then how, how is Michigan going to do it? And um, if Michigan's perpetually living in third and six, uh, they're going to have a they're going to have a hard time moving the football. Yeah, I agree. Well, Joe, one thing we like to do on this podcast is uh, we like to place our bets. So uh, we've got Alabama plus one and a half, Michigan minus one and a half, obviously, and then the over unders forty five and a half. How are you? Uh, hypothetically, how would you bet this one if you were a betting man? Uh, I'd take Bama uh, in the points. Actually, I'd probably just take Bama money line for a better payout. Um, Love that. And uh, and uh, I'd probably prop bet. I'd probably prop bet a parlay of of McCarthy's rushing yards on the under. Nice. And Bama's turnovers on the under. I like it. And I'd I'd parlay those two, take Bama money line, 
Um, what'd you say the over under was? 46. Yeah. Right at 46. So what does, what does like 27, 27 to 10? Yeah. I'd probably take the under. I'd probably take the under. Yeah. I, I I honestly, if it gets into a shootout, you kind of got to like Bama then too. Um, I, you know, I, that's a lot. Oh, of I like Bama. Don't, don't you think I that's like, a lot of points for this game, though? I couldn't agree more. I mean, I, my bets are I like Alabama money line and I like under 46. I, I just I don't see 46 points in this game. That's well, see, and that's and that and herein goes to why I say you have to figure out how the other team is going to beat you when you feel this confident, because we should not be yeah. feeling this confident in a game that Vegas is telling us is going to go for both teams scoring in the 20s, basically. Both teams are going to be scoring in the 20s, and Michigan's going to win it by one. So why are we – I mean, is it my crimson-colored glasses or is it the SEC bias that we have as big SEC guys? I'm not sure. But but what are what is everybody else seeing? Hopefully we get to call everybody else a bunch of idiots. Um, yeah. <laughs> but that's what happens. I'm right there with you. That's, that's what has me worried. I mean, if, if anybody wants to know what has me worried going in the game is that – I have a hard time seeing how Michigan is going to score enough points to beat us. And um, if they come out and can run the football, then I'll, I will be shocked and very disappointed and uh, we'll be in a lot of trouble. I just think you made such a good point. Like if Georgia, like if, if Georgia is not running the football in Alabama, why would anyone expect Michigan to do that? That just like, let's use common sense. If well, Georgia you know, all of them ran the ball a bunch, but it was a, it was a different scheme than what, Georgia or Michigan does, right? Sure. Georgia and Michigan, they're going to be under center or they're going to be in the shotgun handing the ball off. Um, neither team wants to use their quarterback as a runner uh, the way Auburn did. Auburn ran a, a, a version of the option. Um, basically, they ran a version of the veer out of the, uh, out of, uh, out of the shotgun, and we didn't play it well until about late in the third quarter when we finally started setting the edge and we, and we, we started playing and got some stops when we needed stops. But, but uh, I mean, Michigan is good enough to where they're not going to feel the need to reinvent their offense in three weeks. Sure. So, you know, they're going to try to hand the ball off to Corum and um, what's his number 17, I believe. And uh, the, the running back, the run the running back that he's a, now he's a home run threat. Uh, he could cause some problems if 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 they if we don't fit around. Uh, Donovan Edwards, number yeah, 10. Donovan Edwards, that's his terrible. name. Yeah, <laughs> if 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 uh, well, but he's a home run threat though. I mean, if we don't fit a run block, I mean, if we don't uh, you know fit a run block correctly, and uh, and he hits the hole and the linebacker's not there and the safety doesn't have it, I mean, he's he's taking it to the house. Yeah, so, I, mean, I I think Blake Corum's a stud. I. I think Donovan Edwards is terrible. So I think it's that's the other thing, Joe. I, I think Michigan's only got one guy that's going to have success running the ball, and that's Blake Gorham. And like, will he will he even have success? I don't think so. But it's like that's that's the only question. McCarthy better not have success because if he does, we're we're probably going to lose a game. Yeah, like I yeah, JJ McCarthy, he's accurate. I get it. I I think he's good, but like. I don't know. He's not somebody I'm like super concerned about. Well, I, I'm not. I'm not talking about him throwing the ball. I'm, sure. if, if he if he extends plays with his legs, that's going to be the stat. If we if we come back here on January second to talk about the game, and uh, and Michigan is one, uh, you're going to see McCarthy is going to have run the ball. It's going to um, be McCarthy's legs. Yeah, it's going to be his legs. They're going to be. You know, it's not going to be a huge stat line or anything, but all of a sudden you're going to look down and he's going to have converted four third downs or second longs and moved the sticks um, when we had them behind the chains. And that drive is going to have led to a field goal or a touchdown. And, yeah. uh, and those you're are right. really it's underrated plays. Game, valuable points. It, exactly. Those are really underrated plays in a game that lead to points. And you're going to look at the stat line, and he's going to—it's going to say something like 47 yards on six carries, and all, uh, all on third and eight. Yeah, exactly. And and, you're, and that was the game. That was the game right there. That's what I've got about six more days to fret over. And now, time for a quick commercial break. This podcast is actually sponsored by the Cottage Shop. 
the premier wedding shop in Savannah, Georgia, and your one-stop shop for wedding registry, fine china, calligraphy, and custom invitation design. The Cottage Shop, where weddings happen. I like it. So it sounds like we both like Alabama. No surprise there. I'd be remiss if we didn't at least talk briefly, maybe, you know, five, 10 minutes on the other game, Texas versus Washington. Joe, the thing I'm looking forward to at the college football playoff, we've got two great football games. I really believe that. I I think these are both going to be good games. I think these are both going to be close-ish games, as in I don't think think any of the games are going to be a blowout. Bama and Michigan are very similar. And then, as you know, Texas, like if you were to say which which teams are most similar to each other, it would be Bama and Michigan would be very similar in the smash mouth factor. And then Texas and Washington would be very similar in the explosive factor. So I think that is a lot of fun. I, I know you know a good bit about this Texas team because you watched them beat that Alabama team earlier in the mm-hmm. season. but. Mm-hmm. I've loved watching Texas. I think Quinn Ewers is super fun to watch. I, I love the running back tandem of uh, Brooks and Baxter. I think those guys are studs. One of my, well, let me say two of my favorite receivers in college football are both on Texas, Savior Worthy and Adonai Mitchell. So like uh, offensively, I think this game is going to be a blast. I, I must admit we are the big SEC guys. I was at the casino last time I was in Charlotte. And I did, um, this was a value bet, but uh, the the computer I was looking at had Washington like plus 900 to win the college football playoff. So I put 50 bucks on Washington to win $450. So it's like 50 to pay out 500. And um, I kind of love that. You know, Washington, I think is the worst of the four teams in the playoff, but I love Michael Penix. I think he's an absolute stud. They're running back Dylan Johnson's the man. And then I think the best wide receiver in the entire college football playoffs, Roma Dunsey, who I think is just, just a, a man amongst boys. And then Jalen Polk's their sort of second star. The one thing that I think is really interesting, so Alabama, Michigan, we talked about this. Uh, they've both thrown the ball roughly 300 times and uh, run it 500 times. Texas, so Texas is uh, very, very similar. So they've They've thrown the ball 400 times and run it 500 times. So that's a little bit more balanced. And then Washington's where you totally flip it. So Washington's thrown the ball 500 times and only rushed it 300 times. So you've got three team, you've got two teams that are really run heavy, Alabama, Michigan. Then you've got one team that's very balanced in Texas. And then you've got one team that's extraordinarily pass heavy in Washington. So I think that, I think that adds up to a, a really fun recipe for the football playoff and I think this Texas-Washington game is going to be high scoring. I like Washington skill players, explosive players, but I like Texas's uh, at the lines of scrimmage, offense and defensive line. And you know as well as I do, the the college football game is a line of scrimmage game. So I do think Texas ends up winning this one, and I think we have a Texas-Alabama rematch in the final. What are your thoughts? Yeah, Texas um... – Texas has the best defensive line of the four teams. Um, oh, their defensive line is so good. Their defensive line can get after the quarterback and they can stop the run. Um, so let's let's pretty much say Washington's going to be one dimensional. If Washington if Washington is not one dimensional, then they probably win the game. Um, if they can run, if they can run for over 120 yards against Texas. I like Washington's chances. You know, interesting uh, enough, these teams played last year in the bowl game and Washington won. Um, take that for whatever you want. It's different teams, but a lot of the same players on the team. Uh, Texas definitely crossed over the hump this year. Texas was in a lot of games last year that they didn't win. Um, and this year they won those games. So they've learned how to win on the job this year. Um, but still – you know, Texas was a favorite going into that game, too, if I'm not mistaken. Washington won. Um, coincidentally, the other only other Washington game I watched the full game of in the last two years was the Oregon game, the second one, and was shocked at Washington running the football in that game um, with the success they had. So, you know, if Washington finds a way to win, uh, to run for over 100, say, 20, 125 yards, 
that probably keeps them in the game. But that Texas front, I don't know if you can do that. Um, yeah, their their lines of scrimmage is so good. I think that's the big difference with Texas this year. They've just been dominating the lines of scrimmage. Yeah, they they really have. And um, one interesting stat for Texas, though, that is uh, a major red flag, and if Washington exploits it, could could be a problem. Texas is not good at converting in the red zone. Um, I can't remember exactly where they were because I read this article off the Bama, um, the Bama message board, like the um, the on, Bama on three. The mods put out one of their articles right after the playoff was announced, and they went through a bunch of stats and compared the four teams. Uh, but Texas, I think they're only converting in the red zone at like sixty percent of the time. And they were way down. Everybody else was in the top. The other three teams were all in like the top 15 or 20 on red zone conversions. And uh, Texas was like 54th or something like that. So that's some – and oddly enough, if you go back to when they did beat uh, Alabama in Tuscaloosa, they actually started two drives inside the 30 and only came away with 10 points out of that. Uh, and we held them to, I think, another field goal, and maybe they missed a field goal at one point in time too. Uh, but I remember thinking that whole first half uh, that our our defense was keeping us in the game by making them kick field goals. Um, so if if Washington is able to not break and force some field goals – that could allow them to hang around. And then with those receivers and that arm, you just never know. If it's, a close, if it's, if it's a close game in the fourth quarter, Washington's got to be feeling pretty good about their chances because they've oh, got yeah. playmakers to get separation uh, late in the game. So Texas, I agree. Texas needs to control the line of scrimmage and, and, and impose their will early and often. And, and make it, you know, get that two score, get that 10 to 14 point margin and then maintain it, you know, answer and then the bell. Time, yeah. time of possession. Yep. Yeah. Answer the bell and, and eventually it'll wear them down to where they can't handle it. But I love Washington's coach. What a culture he's created over there. Oh my gosh. Kellen DeBoer, I think he's the best. He's one of my favorite coaches in college football. And I like Sark too. I think Sark's a genius. Texas's oh, coach, man. Steve Sarkisian. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed having him during his time in Tuscaloosa. He was a uh, he was a very good play caller. I really wish we'd have had the opportunity to match him up. We got him for a game, and he really didn't coach that great of a game. But it's a tough situation. Uh, in sixteen, that Clemson game where Lane Kiffin basically got fired after the playoff game, um, and Sark, who was an analyst, got promoted to offensive coordinator for a game, and then he left to go to Atlanta. Uh, yeah. We could have matched Sark up with Jeremy Pruitt. Uh, Saban probably could have just sat back and relaxed. Yeah. And keep in mind, people, nobody's talking about this in the media, which I think is interesting, but this is a little bit of a, this is a little bit of a revenge game for Sarkeesian. Remember he was coaching at Washington and he had some problems with alcohol in uh, Washington ended up having to fire him. Uh, uh, that's actually USC. He left Washington to go to USC. And oh, was that Southern Cal? Yeah, yeah. But he oh, left. Okay. I mean, he left Washington, uh, and they were kicking ass um, under him. And he got the USC job, and he really wasn't doing that bad of a job on the field. But he couldn't. He he couldn't handle it uh, off the field at that point in time in his life. Well, I guess that would explain why nobody's talking about the revenge game. It sounds well, like you still, left still, It'd still be play. nice to beat the other, you know, the other people. I mean, I'm sure there were sure, folks sure. didn't say some nice things about him when he took the USC job. You know, on his way out. Yeah. <laughs> just just ask point. Lane how the Tennessee people thought of him when he took it. That's an excellent point. That's an excellent point. All right, Joe. Let me hear it. What Texas, Washington, Texans giving four, Washington's getting four, and the over-under 65. What do you like there? Give me your best bets. And then I've got a I've got a four-team parlay that I really like that I'll share with the pod. Okay. I uh I don't really like picking this game, to be honest. If it was a full, if it was a full sheet of games, I probably would leave this one alone. But sure. I, I am going to take Texas solely because I want another shot at Texas. 
Nice. And and I, it doesn't really reflect. I think um, I think you'd be better off taking Washington on the money line if you think if you think they're going to keep it within four, you might as well take them to win uh, because it's one where I think Texas is going to. I think Texas is going to win the game, stretching it out. I don't think it's. I don't think Texas wants to be in a close game because I don't trust Ewers. Uh, I don't trust Ewers over Penix Jr. Um, in a shootout. So oh, if you're right getting if you're getting if you're getting to the over, if you're getting to the over, I would take the money line and the over. Uh, but I want to play Texas, and I actually think I think if you were to simulate the game ten times, I think Texas has the easier path to victory um, in most of those simulations. So I take Texas. I take Texas to cover four. Um, and probably 65. Is that what you said? Yeah, that's the over under. Yep. Yeah. Let's take Texas. Let's take Texas to cover at 42 to 20. I like it. So you got Texas in the under. Yeah. Texas in the I under. I like it. All right. Fun fact. I just, I was crunching some numbers. Our investigative team, our data team. If you were to take Alabama money line plus 100, this is a four team parlay, Washington money line plus 150. And then you can pick the over/under on both games, but just for East, let's say we do Alabama money line, Washington money line, and the under on both games. Fifty-five dollars to win one thousand dollars on the dot, and that feels that feels reasonable, Joe. That feels like something that could reasonably happen. That feels like something that could reasonably happen, and a really good way to give Vegas your money. Oh well, I, I'm I'm a value better. That feels like value to me. Feels like there's some value there because I. I mean, I, I really could see Alabama and Washington both winning, and I could see both those games going under. The thing that gets tricky is uh, if you're taking Washington money line, you'd probably want to take the over. So yeah. you, you, you may want to flip that to the, yeah. the over 65. So you'd go Bama, Michigan under Washington, Texas over and take Washington and Bama straight up. It sure feels That's like pretty juicy. That, that over under on the on the uh, Washington Texas game that they aren't going to give they aren't giving Texas D line enough credit in that game. That I like the under in that game. I mean, it's it's hard to take Washington if you're going to take the under, but I I like under sixty five yeah. in that game. I, I don't, Texas I don't think, defense. Yeah, I don't think there's a I don't think there's a path for Washington under under sixty five total in that game. I agree. That's the issue. But I I I like the under in that game. Um, yeah. That just that to me feels like feels like a lot of points and I get it. Like Texas is super explosive and just scored, you know, a billion points in the first half against Oklahoma state. And then we all know Washington's the most exp- explosive football team in the country and just scored a bunch of points against Oregon. So it's- well, Washington definitely had the more impressive win. I mean, that Oklahoma state team, um, <clears throat> that Oklahoma state team is built totally not, around yeah. one player running the football and yeah. <laughs> Texas, what they do best is stop the run on defense. So, you it's know, a game script game. Yeah. Yeah. If Texas got out in front to any degree, that game was over. It was a name your yeah. score type game. And Sark was in a position where he needed to name it pretty high. Oh, yeah. And so yeah. it did. Uh, the Washington win, you know, they've been, they've played Oregon now three games in a row and they've been mid to high single digit dogs in all three of them and they've won all three of them yeah so they've got their number much well i mean at some point in time you got to wonder what what are people seeing in oregon because y- you know the last game washington out physical oh yeah you know they they won the, i mean football is won at the point of attack yes you will have games like the tcu michigan game last year where tcu won kind of in goofy ways even though they weren't winning the line of scrimmage every play but football is won in the trenches and by not turning the football you don't turn the football yeah. over and you can push their guys backwards, you're going to win, you know, 99 out of 100 games. Especially um, in college. Especially yeah. especially in college. So, you know, you know, I don't know. I, I, I like I like your I like your parlay, like you said, from a value aspect, but I'm pretty sure this is exactly how Vegas <laughs> makes them built, yeah. built their big buildings. Yeah, yeah exactly I'm pretty sure. Right. I'm pretty sure this is how they make this. This is how they make their margin. So yeah, the 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 win, Steve Wynn, and and some of those other you know Vegas 
legend. That's how they uh, made their money. People like me saying there's value here. That's right. That's value here. The the only way to really find value in Vegas is to find a team that's an underdog that you feel very confident is going to win the game and just bet the money line. And then you'll get a better payout. That's about the only way to find value. And that's what we're doing with Alabama here, Joe. So we're, we're talking value. I mean, it's not that much extra on the money line. No, no. Alabama on the money line I saw was like plus 100, which is just basically no juice. So you're not really getting a ton of value. But but I'm surprised the line hadn't moved. I mean, ESPN has it. I, I know you said minus one. ESPN had it um, on the bottom line. I saw it when I was watching this this uh, Texas State game earlier. Um, they had it at minus two. So. I'm surprised it hadn't Michigan moved. minus two. Michigan so minus two. Michigan's favor. Yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm shocked that it's it's that's what that's again. You know, I hate to. Wow. Keep, I've said the same thing like four times now, but that's what that's that's the kind of stuff that worries me. Is uh, why do I feel so confident about the matchup um, when obviously the money doesn't feel as confident as I do. Wow. All right. So I'm looking, um, I'm looking on one of the BetMGM sites that shares some of the data on the game. It, it seems like big money's coming in on Michigan, which is surprising. That would make sense. The, the lines moved yeah. to try to get more people to bet on Alabama. Um, yeah. Wow. Wow. I don't, uh, I'm, I'm fascinated by that. Well, Crimson colored glasses, my man. They've been yeah, yeah. Me before, but I, I just don't. I don't think we're a good. We we started the started the podcast off with it. I see we've been going for an hour. Um, we'll end the podcast with it, I guess. With, I like it. With I don't. I just don't. You know, I don't think it's a good matchup for Michigan. I think it's. I agree. I think it's a much better matchup for Alabama, and um, you know, I'm ready. To, I'm ready to roll. I'm ready to roll. I agree, Joe. I totally agree. Well, I'm feeling good. If you're feeling good, Joe, I think you're right. That's a great episode. We were planning to go 45 minutes to an hour. We just hit the hour mark. Any uh, any final thoughts? Any final words? Uh, roll Tide. You know, I um, it, was good, tide. it was a good season in the SEC. It, I hate that Tucker's not here. I I, uh, I know you said he's out of town. I think he's avoiding me. Um, I like it. I think he's avoiding me, but. Uh, but it was a, it was a good season. In the SEC we had we had two very very good football teams. One of them, if they did want to take the four best teams, they, uh, Georgia still should have been in. But um, oh, I agree. That's neither here nor there. Um, <laughs> we could do a whole another episode on that. Whole another episode. Who would have thought? Who would have thought we'd be here after that South Florida game? Alabama loses to Texas. I think it's three to three at halftime against South Florida, and look where we are now. That's why Nick Saban's the GOAT, folks, the that's, greatest of all time. Well, if you remember now, if you remember after that South Florida game, I think I, I listened to the pod on Saturday morning. I was actually planting. Um, I was planting my food plots. And, was uh, it me I listened, talking about Kirby Smart? <laughs> and I was, well, I was listening to, I was listening to the, the, the podcast while I was in the tractor, and I sent you a text about the Bama Ole Miss game. And I, I said that if we win – we are going to be back in contention and have a really good chance of winning the SEC. But if we lose, you could see the wheels come off. We could go eight and four, seven and five. So, oh yeah, it was. Uh, you know, I shouldn't shouldn't have fretted quite so much all season, and I should have just listened to my own. Listen to yourself. Listen to myself. Oh, Joe, how have we not mentioned this? Uh, shout out Rocky's Deli. Um, week, <laughs> you know where I'm going. Week three of the college football yes, season. Sir. Tennessee, Tennessee looks great. Florida looks like the worst team in college football. I see Joe and Rocky's Deli, which is, in my opinion, the best deli in Savannah, Georgia. That's a quick aside. And Joe goes, hey, Daniel, I got a hot take for the big SEC guys. Florida dominates Tennessee. And I said, you are crazy. What do you know? Florida dominated Tennessee. You absolutely I, nailed it. I, well, I, t- I told you, I told you, too, that you could take it if you wanted it. And take all the credit for it when you said, <laughs> I said it. No, sir. Yeah. No, I well, I think Tennessee's won once in the swamp in 30 years. So a game was being played at night early in the season, and and Joe Milton is a shell of what Hinton Hooker was. And that played out oh, throughout no. the year. It just hadn't played out yet that year during the year. And uh 
And I just didn't think that I didn't think they I didn't think they had it in them to go to the swamp and win. I mean, sometimes you just got to be a man. Yeah. Oh, oh, you're absolutely right. Well, you're you're two for two on your bold predictions between Florida dominating Tennessee and then Alabama making the playoff after the South Florida game. So can you go three for three with the, the Michigan takes? I I like your chances. I think well, you can. we'll see. Hopefully, hopefully, we'll tide, see. Hopefully, if the tide if the tide wins, I am going to Houston. So nice. I I, uh, I hope they come through for me, and and I can go chase another one. Let's do an episode from Houston if the, if Alabama wins. That'll be fun. Big SEC guys go to Houston. I, I hear go to Houston live episode. All right, Joe. Well, thanks for joining. That was fun. We'll uh, we'll talk soon. Roll Tide. Roll Tide, great time. Thanks for having me. All right, see ya. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Big SEC Guys. We are now on Apple Podcast and Spotify Podcast. Please follow, like, subscribe, and leave a review if you've enjoyed the show.